We have been looking at a series dealing with the church, and last Sunday we talked about um, working together as a team, the church as a team, and emphasized some characteristics. In our men's Sunday school class this morning, we followed up on that. And and this is something that's been going over in my mind for a long time. And, and it's made me realize um, just how important it is that as individuals that we learn to be team players because... As we said last week, all your life you're going to be on a team. Um, you're born into a family, and that puts you on that team. And when you're born again, that puts you on that team. And, and as we identify with the local assembly, that puts us on that team. And you go to work, and you're on that team, and so on. So all the way through. So it's not... It's not just something that's, that's related to um, teams, meaning sports, but it is, um, it is important to realize that there are principles that apply that really truths that apply are God's truth. And that's kind of a dumb statement, God's truth. If it's truth, it's God. I mean, anything that's true, God is truth. And anything that's false or a lie, that's of the father, the devil. He's the father of lies. But this week, as I was thinking on this, I thought, oh, man, you know, there was a good illustration of a great team um, last week that I should have used. And it's this illustration that we read in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as Jesus was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man that was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop, and they let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus." And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins, Jesus said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately 
he rose up before them, took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Now you think of that. These four guys got together and said, let's get our friend to Jesus. I don't understand. Um, It doesn't tell us a whole lot of details about it, but somebody had the initiative. Or he maybe said to them, hey, would would you pick up my my couch, my, it wasn't an overstuffed couch like we have, but would you pick up my cot and would you take me to Jesus? Perhaps he would be able to see me and, and heal me. And, and these four guys got together, picked him up, and carried him. Now, we read these stories, but we don't, I mean... Carrying a guy that is not able to walk is not an easy proposition. It doesn't tell us how far it is. But they get there, and other accounts say that the crowd pressed in, and there was no way, there was no way that they were going to, excuse us, excuse us, let us through, we need to see Jesus. And they very easily could have said, one of them could have said, well, this isn't going to work. Forget it. We'll never get him. I'll be interested to watch the the DVD of this in heaven, you know. But somewhere along, one of them or this guy said, "If hey, if you just get us up, if we get him up on the roof. Now think of that. Picture yourself. You're the guy that that can't walk. And there... And some bright guy says, hey, let's get him up on the roof there. We'll bust through that roof and drop him down there. Then he's got to do something. And you're thinking, oh, boy, I know old Hank and Fred and Tom. They're not the steadiest guys, you know, and they'll, they'll jerry-rig something up, and I'll land on my head here. I mean, this is a real-life thing. And, and I don't know how they did it. As I said, I'll be curious to see it. But they they get that guy up there, and they had to break up the roof. I remember as a kid seeing the flannel graph, and the flannel graph showed kind of a tent, and they peeled it back. That's even a greater miracle that five guys could be on a tent roof, you know what I'm saying? But, um, I mean, so they're up there, and... Think of this, how easy it would have been. This just ain't going to happen. But no, they they went up there, they broke up the roof, and here's Jesus down there teaching, and all of a sudden, you know, dust is coming and stuff out of the roof's coming down. And there were big shots there, the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. Um, Lawyers, we call them crooks normally, okay? I can say that because I have a son that is a lawyer, all right? So, um, but these were, and they didn't let that stop them. They went up there. They broke open the roof. They let this man down. And, you know, we just read the rest of the story. Now, that was teamwork. 
And that guy, as he went out of there, he was glorifying God. And the people there were glorifying God. They were all amazed. They glorified God. They were filled with the fear. And they said, wow, we have seen something very amazing here today. In part, it was the result of the faith and the teamwork of these men collectively or one of them that drove it. We don't know, but it's immaterial. But they worked together and they saw God do some amazing things. And in this, they had to trust each other. There had to be a dependence. And this guy, letting them lift him up on the roof, he had a trust of them. And, and last week in, in the morning service, we, we talked about and we illustrated with four guys up here that as we as believers are committed to Christ and to following Christ, and we say, oh, you're a fellow believer and you're committed to Christ and to glorifying Christ. That means I should be able to trust him and he should be able to trust me. Teams have the characteristics of, of high trust. And tonight I want to go through and, and just illustrate in kind of a checklist for us. Traits of low trust and traits of high trust. And, and I want us to examine in our own life um, what kind of person am I? What kind of team player am I? The first characteristic of low trust is disengagement. Um, they... They, they don't engage. They, they don't get involved with others. A high trust is active involvement. These four guys that carried him were actively involved. There were many others that could have been, but they weren't. You know, it's easy for us to disengage. It's easy for us to, to just step back and, and not not participate, so to speak. I mean, in any area of our in any area of our life, we just um, you know sometimes we we say I just only do what I'm told. Well, that's a good thing to do what we're told, but there's times that you see a need, take some initiative, meet the need. That you take some initiative and get involved. It's easy for us as, perhaps easier for us as men, um, general statement, for us as men to disengage when we come home. That I've been doing this, I've been doing this, and I come home and disengage and just not be involved. That leads to low trust. High trust is involvement. High trust is getting involved. High trust is, is um, taking an interest in. It's participating in. Um, you know, back in the old days, 
when when people delivered newspapers and people read newspapers and those things, you know, it, it'd show in Dagwood or Blondie or cartoons, you know, it'd show a guy sitting there with the newspaper and oblivious to what's going on around him, just disengaged. This is my barrier. Now it's either this or our laptops or television, you know, we just disengage. That doesn't build trust. We, to be a team, you have to engage. There has to be active involvement. Low trust. Teams are made of clicks. I didn't know how to spell clicks, and my spell check didn't know how to spell clicks. See, you've got to be close for spell check to help you any, okay? So... But this is the right way. Does anybody know for sure? Is that that's the right way, isn't it? Okay. I finally narrowed it down. You keep trying. <laughs> Google is an amazing thing. You can so rather than I wasn't even close with it. I spelled it more like C L I C H E S and that's cl- clichés and so I wrote Um, I forget what I Googled in. Dividing into small separate groups. And it comes up, clicks, you know, and I found it. It's amazing, isn't it? You don't even need a brain anymore. You just Google it, all right? How would we get on that? It's, It's Sunday night, right? Low trust are in little clicks. A team cannot function when there's little clicks. When you just gather together with whatever it is in, in just, this is our interest and, and we're going to get together and, and our little click and no, you're not a part of it. And we think, we think kids in school just do that. No, adults do that. And you know, in a church body, that doesn't show the glory of God. I mean, what if, what if your body tomorrow morning woke up and had little clicks? You know, all the ears are going to gather over here, and um, both feet are going to be on the left leg today. We're gathering together in a little click, you know what I'm saying? Um, some of us, the hair is gathering in the drain, right? <laughs> But the reality is, it's comfortable. It's easy to disengage. I'm comfortable with these people. You see what I am? It's easy. We're not having fellowship tonight, meaning eating downstairs afterwards tonight. But it's easy to get where you go downstairs, you sit with the same people at the same table in our own little fellowship. No, it's our own little clique. And a high-trust team has loyalty. There's a a loyalty to the team, a loyalty to one another. story is told of a guy that kind of took the loyalty um, to extreme. Uh, In West Texas, uh, a coach went out, a rancher friend of his said, anytime you want to hunt, he said, come on out, and I'd be happy to do it. So this coach went out. They wanted to go hunting. He took an assistant coach with him, and 
he said, you know, he said, I can go out hunting anytime I want. But he said, I, I'm just going to stop by. I haven't seen him for a while. Just double check, make sure everything's all right. And he knocked on the door and, and hey, how you doing? And, and um, he said, hey, we're just stopping by. I know you said I could come out hunting anytime. And um, they just checking if it's all right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they chit-chat a little bit. And the old rancher said, hey, before you go out hunting, I have one favor I'd like to ask. And the coach said, hey, sure, what is it? He said, we have this old, old mare that is just a family friend and pet and it needs to be put down and I can't bring myself to do it. Would would you be able to do that for me? As you go out the long driveway, it's it's in there with some other horses, but you'll see it. it it's always right down there in the corner. And if you could put that thing down for me, I would really, really appreciate it. And he said, yeah, we'd be happy to do that. You know, you've been so good to me. And so... As he was walking back to the car, this coach thought, man, I, I am going to have some fun with this. And he came back and he slammed the car. I can't believe that old man won't let me hunt on this. He said we could hunt any time we wanted. I've about had he put that thing in gear and tore off down. And, and he said, I'm sick and tired of this. And he hit the brakes and jumped out of his car and pulled up and boom, shot that horse dead. Before he knew it, the assistant jumped out of the car, pulled up his gun, boom, shot another horse dead, right like that. Now that's loyalty there. Now, loyalty can be taken wrong sometimes, but you know what? As Christians, we need to have a loyalty for one another. We need to know that if I shoot a horse, you're going to shoot a horse. No. <laughs> we need to know that we're for each other, that there's a loyalty. Low-trust teams are self-centered. High-trust teams serve others. And, and we want to give these to you tonight so that we can examine our own lives, and, and so we're not going to spend a lot of time on, on these, but it, it really is important for us to, to see, God, what kind of team member am I? Low-trust teams make excuses. High-trust teams have high accountability. That, that they, they hold each other accountable they, in, in not a bad sense, in a good sense. They lift up each other and, come on, you can do this. And, and they develop that rather than making excuses and, and hindering things. And, well, we couldn't do that. Low trust teams have low energy. It's just... You know, sometimes, do you ever wonder, you're around people and, and you wonder, is there 
anything that excites you? I mean, it's just, are you alive? You know, some people it's like, whoa, maybe you better check with Dave, you know. Maybe you died and forgot to let anybody know. There's, there's no energy. There's no nothing, no passion. High trust teams have enthusiasm. And we've mentioned many, many times that the word enthusiasm comes from the root word meaning en theos, in God. In God is where we get true enthusiasm. Because we have a purpose for living. We have, as we mentioned this morning, a wonderful counselor. And he is beyond our comprehension. He is a wonderful counselor. And that ought to provide enthusiasm. That, and not just some, some fake thing. Low trust teams are high on talk and low on walk. High trust teams live out the truth. In Germany, during the reign of Hitler, there was a German pastor by the name of Martin Niemöller. For eight years, he was imprisoned by Hitler. He spent time in prisons and concentration camps. And Hitler realized that if Niemöller... A First World War I hero could be persuaded to join Hitler's cause, then much opposition would collapse. So he sent a former friend of Niemöller's to visit him in prison, a friend who was now supporting the Nazis. Seeing Niemöller in his cell, the one-time friend is reported as saying, Martin, Martin, why are you here? To which Niemöller responded, My friend, why are you not here? See, high in talk, low in walk. This friend used to talk like he was a follower of Christ. And Niemöller was high in the walk. I am a follower of Christ, and if it means in prison, and if it means in prison year after year after year for eight years, I am not going to turn away from Christ. And he lived out the truth. A high-trust team has individuals that live out the truth. A low-trust team is made up of individuals that are very draining. Um, by draining, they, they always need something. Needy, I need, I need, I need. They're, they're draining. Would you do this? Would you do this? I need, I need. Um, very draining person, VDP, okay? I don't want you to go around stamping that on anybody, but... Um, you, you know, we, you've been around them, and sad to say, at times we've all been there. And, and there are legitimate times of need, but there are some people that it's just like, oh, 
I mean, they just, wherever they go, they just suck the energy out of the people they're around. On a high trust team, the individuals are contributors. What can I add to this? What can I give to this? What can I um, contribute here? As God has, has gifted me, as God has equipped me, the experiences that I've had in life, I want to contribute this. I want to give this to the team. I want to, I want to add something to this team. Even if it is what I may consider to be small, I want to, to add this. Low trust team, number eight, they're just content with status quo. This is what? This is how it's always been. You know, this, this paraplegic, this, this paralyzed man could have said, you know, this is my lot in life. This is how it's always been. And, and the guys could have said, if, if the, the paralyzed man said, hey, could you guys, they could have said, hey, you know, this is just your lot in life. But no, they, they wanted to see God work. And, and in our lives, many times it's just status quo. On a high trust team, a high trust team member is a learner. I, there's more I can learn. There's more I can develop. I think I, I shared with you um, the story that, that was told at this um, coach's seminar that they had that um, Coach John Wooden, the greatest basketball coach in all of history, he was 93 years old and he was at a conference with these other speakers and speaking to, to coaches and things. And as one speaker got up to speak, he said to this other guy sitting at the same table, would you do something for me? He's 93 years old. His mind was sharp at this time. He, he senses passed away. But his mind is sharp, and he said, hey, would you take notes of this guy's presentation? This is the greatest coach that's ever lived. He's 93 years old. Do you think he's actually going to get another job coaching? No. He could have very easily just sat back and, what's this guy got to teach me, you know? Or he could have sat there and just zoned out. But he wanted to learn. On a high-trust team, they want to learn. They want to develop. I don't know God enough. I want to know Him more. I want to know how it can be more effective. I want to be used of God. Low-trust teams are negative. Just, if there's a chance to see a dark cloud, they see it or create it. High trust teams are positive. Story is told, Babe Ruth, one of the all-time great um, baseball players, his record of 714 home runs stood for years. But near the end of his career, the Yankees traded him to the Braves. And in one of his last games in Cincinnati, Babe Ruth was really not just past his prime. He was faltering. He struck out several times. And 
and made several errors that allowed the Reds to score five runs in one inning. And when the inning ended, he walked toward the dugout. He was chin was down. He was dejected, and there there arose from the stands an enormous roar of boos and catcalls and and ridicule, and some fans actually shook their fists at him for playing so poorly. And then all of a sudden, a little boy jumped over the railing, and with tears streaming down his cheeks, he ran out to Babe Ruth and unashamedly flung his arms around Babe Ruth's legs and held tightly and Babe Ruth scooped him up in his arms and hugged him and set him down and patted him on the head. And he took his hand, and the two of them walked off the field together. You know what? Everybody needs someone to run and hug their leg and give them, so to speak, something positive. The world is full of negative, negative, negative. And you can find that anywhere. And as believers, we should be ones that build up. We should be ones that that strengthen and establish. A high trust team is positive. A low trust team is problem-oriented. Oh, wait, there's a problem, and there's a problem, and did you notice that? That's a problem. A high-trust team is solution-motivated. It's not, there's never a shortage of people pointing out the problems. There's a shortage of people with solutions. Willing to be a solution. Now, see, all of these things, you can apply them in your marriage. You can apply them in your family. You can apply them at work. We need to apply them in our church body so that God would be glorified. These are, these are traits of high trust teams and low trust teams or high trust individuals that, that are trustworthy and build trust and establish it. So tonight, we want you to, to not just, okay, church is over, go our way, but to think about these things and And if you need a copy of these, we can get them so that you go through and say, okay, God, I want to come down on this high trust side. And you know what? It's natural for us to come down on the low trust. It's natural for us to disengage and to be self-centered. It's natural for us to live in cliques and and to to just be um, satisfied with status quo. But God hasn't called us to just do what's natural. He's called us to the supernatural. And a high-trust team will show the glory of God far beyond what just a normal status quo life does. See, after all He's done for us, the least that we can do is say, God, I want to be the highest trust, the highest energy for you. I want to burn out for you and to see God work through us. Heavenly Father, 
I pray tonight that you would help us to apply these truths to our heart. And not just to think about them tonight, but Lord, that it would be manifested in in how we engage and become actively involved with others. Lord, in how committed we are to learning and being a solution-oriented person. Lord, whatever it is, I know that your Spirit will lead us if we are willing to follow. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use us to be the individuals and the team that you desire us to be. Lord, we plead your mercies. We ask that you would be exalted through our lives and that your power would be seen. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to